Well, when I look out over the audience, I can remember sitting right over here, Miss Fanny Pritchard. Anybody remember Miss Fanny? A unique lady, and she took shorthand of every sermon I preached when I was Olive Branch. So floating around somewhere are my sermons in shorthand. And guess what? She never went to sleep on And I've written articles about that. If you take notes, chances of going to sleep are slim to none. I can also believe, let's see, where was it? About around here, I think. Or it might have been over here. Dickie Luttrell in family Bible class. Y'all remember that? He'd have young people to stand up and recite the apostles. I uh, still remember the 12 tribes of Israel, Gad, Issachar, Reuben, Le- uh, Levi. What was the rest of it? Judah, Asher, Zebulun, Benjamin, Nephtali, Dan. I probably left out one. But that's the kind of thing we did. We did it every Sunday night, but just like your pew packers, I guess, similar to that. Some good thoughts. I was asked a little bit ago to uh, lead a song, and so I'm going to lead it now. Because uh, this is a song that I have sung, probably the first song that most of my grandchildren have ever heard in their lives. When they came into this world, I usually sang it to them. So uh, this is a song that you need to learn to sing to your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. So everybody got a pointer. I use this at the nursing home. It's good for nursing home patients, uh, residents. Got a pointer on each finger, you got it? All right, let's put it together. All right, take your fingers and put them together and do it this way. And then just take them and turn them right over like this. And then take it and do it in a fist, okay? This is the cross where Jesus died. This is the hill where Mary cried. This is the grave where the Savior lay. This is the stone that rolled away, rolled away. This is the cross where Jesus died. This is the hill where Mary cried. This is the grave where the Savior lay. This is the stone that rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. Young people like it. And I remember one of the mothers, after we'd been doing the Thursday school for a while, she said, you got to write those songs down for us because our young people come home and uh, they want us to sing it, and we don't know the words. So that's what I did. I want to say just a word about your preacher here. I, this morning when I got here, I started asking folks, introducing myself, and I said, uh, how long you been coming to Olive Branch? And I didn't ask them, what do you think about your preacher? But almost every one of them said, we love it here, and we love our preacher. And so that's the kind of reports that I like to hear because that's the indication that you're on the right track. And we do appreciate Mike very much, and we appreciate the work that he does, and we're glad he's here with you, and we appreciate you supporting him and uh, the preaching of the gospel in this area. I wanted to say just a word about um, where did Robert go? Robert, where are you? Oh, you're right here, okay. Uh, Robert and I have known each other for close to 100 years. Uh, we, uh, 
We actually went to school, we went to school not only last century, but the last millennium. We were in school together, so that's a long time ago. I was in school, I think, with Robert about the same time, and uh, I was preaching out at Cloverport. And Cloverport was a church established in 1873 by T.B. Larimore in Hardeman County. And whatever they invited, or Brother Larimore said, I want to come down and preach in that area. Uh, they said, it won't do any good. And, uh, the denominational people have already got everybody. It won't do any good. Well, they baptized about 50 or 60 people after Brother Larimore came, and they established the congregation at Cloverport, and I preached there when I was a student. I'd only, probably about my second or third sermon I preached there, and I ended up preaching there for a year while I was a student at Freed Artem. They disbanded in 2000, and I have the pulpit in my office, and I am grateful to have that. They gave it to me, and uh, one of the things that I did, we didn't have a sign out in front, and I noticed I preached one Sunday night, I think, at Bolivar, and Bolivar had an old pipe-type sign. It's a pretty nice sign, but it was, you know, it wasn't a wrought iron or anything really special like that. And they had it around the back of their building, and I noticed it. And I, I asked the elders, I said, can we have that sign? And it already had the board and everything on it. It said the Church Christ on it. And down at the bottom, it said William Hull. And uh, I always uh, wondered what happened to that sign. The sign's gone. The building is gone. Uh, everything, the only thing that's left is some of the pews that uh, the neighbors have and the pulpit that I have. But William Hull preached the gospel. That's uh, William's. Uh, I mean, that's Robert's uh, father-in-law. And so I've been to his grave, visited his grave, and appreciate the work that uh, so many who have gone on before us have done. Well, let's talk a little bit about the matter of people being like trees. One of the statements that is made in Mark, the eighth chapter, this is one of the unusual miracles that Jesus did in that it was not completely all at one time. You know, everything that Jesus did as far as performing miracles, it was just like that. But this particular one, for some reason, not because Jesus didn't like the power, there was a reason why he did what he did, as always. But the man said, I see people, or I see men like trees walking. And so we talked this morning about the importance of planting trees, passing on the gospel generation after generation. And then we talked at the worship hour about the garden. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life. It meant that it gave you life, and as long as you ate of that tree, you would live forever. But because of sin, man was driven out of the garden, and all the suffering and death and pain that every generation experiences is because of sin. But you read the last book in the Bible, and there is the tree of life again. But now there is no sun there, there is no sin there, God's people are there. And that's the promise of heaven that we've been singing about and we've been talking about. And so now I want, to think, I want you to think just a little bit about trees and something kind of unique and special about them. One of the things I think you'll notice about trees is that they're unique. They're different. And the reason I want to point that out to you, aren't people different? In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about one member is like an eye, another one's like an ear, 
He said, every one of us are different, but we're a body. We love one another, we support one another, we have unique works. And one of the most challenging things that you have in being in the body of Christ is to try to figure out what can I do? Where can I fit in? Where can I find a place where I can be a part of the congregation and contribute? And sometimes that's not always easy to figure out, but it's something I think that we all need to do. Here I am under some kind of tree. I don't know what kind it is. It's up in Kentucky, but it's one of those that just kind of goes every which way. One of the most unusual trees, I thought it was a bush. I treated it. It's in my yard for, um, let's see, 12 years, I guess, 10 years maybe. I have treated it as a bush. I've trimmed it back. And one of the things it would do every year about the middle of January, would it start blooming? And I thought, well, you're a mixed up tree. You don't know what's going on. And I kept uh, figuring out, well, what kind of bush is this? Well, come to find out it's not a bush, it's a tree. And so now I'm treating it like a tree. And it's the first plant that blooms. It blooms before daffodils do. It blooms before the tulip, uh, whatever they're called, the tulip trees bloom. I saw a couple in, uh, coming in that are in full bloom right now. They're in bloom before these yellow bushes, whatever they're called. They're, they're starting to bloom, yes. Somebody's mouthing what they are. Well, uh, but this is a Japanese apricot. And I call it my Fried Hardman lectureship bush because it blooms about time, it's time for the Fried Hardman lectureship bush. So the point I'm making is that trees are unique and special. They are different. They don't all act the same way. This one right here is a ginkgo tree. And what's unusual about this tree, two things, it's very slow about growing. And up in Henry Clay's uh, house, there are two out there that are huge trees, and they're probably almost 200 years old. But it takes a long, long time for them to get that size. Mine's been, uh, it's not about 15 or 20 feet tall, and it's probably 15 or 20 years old. So it, it's grown more the last year, and it has in a good while. But what's unusual about it is it loses every one of its leaves in one day. When, when a leaf starts falling, before the sun goes down, just about every one of them will be gone. It sheds all of its leaves at one time. And this is a tree right here that you probably want to stay away from. This is some kind of locust tree with big old stickers on it, uh, about six inches long. So you want to stay away from it. But trees also can be a blessing. They are a blessing, not only to us, but of many things as well. Uh, looking at my backyard and looking at all the birds, one of the things that I got to noticing, whoops, I got to back up. That's my cat. I got, I'm ready to show my cat yet. Well, the bird slide is not showing up well. But anyway, it's a picture of birds in my backyard, of a cardinal in my backyard. And I got to thinking, why do you always, I got a bird feeder here and the trees right here. And I said, why in the world do you go get seed and then go get the tree and eat the, eat the seed? You ever notice a bird doing that? A lot of times they'll get the grain of sunflower seed and they get the tree. Why do they get the tree? Because the tree's a friend. Because I have looked out in my yard before and I've seen a puff of feathers. And you know what's happened? A hawk has come swooping down 
and he's gotten him a Burger King or a chicken sandwich or whatever, something like that. So those trees get their food, and those birds get their food, and they get in the tree because that hawk can't get into that tree. Those, those uh, branches protect them. And the same, same thing is true about my cat. Uh, I've always hated cats. When I was here at Olive Branch, uh, Leah, our oldest daughter, cats just attracted her. She would bring home anything she saw. Anything that followed her home, she'd bring it home. She's always been that way. She's still that way. And she brought uh, home this little kitten, and it was a wild cat. And I'm, I'm, I'm using an understatement. It was literally a wildcat. And I decided it was time for that cat to get a, another home. So what I did is I some way captured that cat, and I had its four feet in my, and it's not a cat, it's a kitten. I had its four feet in my hand, and I had its head here. And it dawned on me, uh, I don't want you. Uh, I don't want to be holding you. I'm going to get rid of you. And so I said, what am I going to do? That thing's squirming and everything. What am I going to do? Well, I decided just to give it a, a fling like this. So when I did it, its claws went with it down my arm. And I thought, I hate cats. Well, uh, that's my cat. She's an outside cat. And one thing you do not do to an outside cat is to declaw them. Because if you do, you kill them. Why? because they gotta have a tree. Because if some farmer gets after them. I now remember why cats are called, or why people sometimes say scaredy cats. Well, because they're scared, scared of their shadow and they'll run to a tree. Well, the tree is their protection. Trees are God's creation. God has put them for a purpose and they're doing exactly what God put them here to do. And we as Christians need to understand what does God want us to do in the church here at Olive Branch or wherever we live. And we need to understand that we're unique. Nobody else has the same ability, the same insight, the same wisdom as we do. We have a function and we are different and we're here to help one another and protect one another. You may very well be the difference between a person going to heaven and not going to heaven. You may be the difference. You may be the only person that might be there to help and encourage and protect somebody whenever they need some strengthening, when they need some encouragement, when they're down. My message to you is you're important and people around you are, are important. And we're here to help one another. Just like trees help the birds and they help the animals, they're there as their friends. They're there to sustain them. They are a blessing to everything that they touch, everything round about. Here's something I learned just a few days ago. You ever seen any trees that look like that? They look like they're deformed trees. They, they, come, up, they, they come up out of the ground and they make a right turn and then they go straight up and part of them go out this way. This right here, I would tell <coughs> is the way that many of them mark their trails or make some significant mark. And this is over in Hardeman County, <coughs> not very far from where Diggy Luttrell now is. As a matter of fact, it's in the Luttrell Cemetery. And there are two of those that are very close to that cemetery. And I noticed one coming on into Olive Branch. I saw one on the side of the road, just like that. And I wondered, well, why is it that they're not very big trees? Well, apparently when you bend them, when you bend them in order to mark a trail 
or something significant, then what you have is that they don't grow as big as regular trees do. So these apparently are very old trees. And they've been around for quite a period of time, and they were actually done by Indians. So trees are used by people in, in just all sorts of ways. We uh, build houses out of them. We, we build houses. This is uh, uh, Alexander Campbell's home. Gene Flake took us on a trip, and this is uh, apparently some kind of decoration of tree outside. How many home places? You, you can just drive down the road, and you can tell where an old home place is, even though there's not even a house there. How can you do that? Well, there will be some daffodils this time of year blooming, and there will be trees. You might see some bricks or something like that. People put uh, trees around their house to block it, to help shade in the summertime, and oftentimes they put uh, like pines or something like that, and, and so it would block off the wind. People have used trees in all sorts of ways. We build uh, church buildings uh, out of it. Uh, here's trees at Beach Hill. They decorate uh, the place. They make them, make them look attractive. Uh, you'll, you'll see trees in cemeteries. They are there to uh, add beauty to the place. And so trees have a very important and significant part uh, in all the things that we do. Uh, you're sitting on a tree, I guess. Uh, part of it is and so they're all around us, and they're there for our good and for our benefit and our blessing. Um, here's old Moki schoolhouse built out of logs. And if only those logs could talk. Uh, here is old Philadelphia. And notice the two doors. The men went in one side and the women went in the other side. And if you go to the church building at uh, Bethany where Alexander Campbell preached, not only do you have two doors, but you have a petition on this side, and there's actually kind of a little ball in between. You can't go from this side all the way across over here. Women sit on one side, and men sit on the other side. I wonder if our singing would be a little better if all the men sit together and all the women sit together. Uh, you never know. I'm not saying that's what we have to do, but that's what people used to do. And look at the building. No paint on it at all. Here's a, here's a pulpit uh, stand in uh, Alamo, made out of cedar, made. So people have taken wood and they, they have used it in all sorts of ways and done a lot of things with it. Um, how many of you have been on something like this? Well, that's not what I was talking about. But anyway, uh, incense, uh, hang on to trees. Maybe it's the next one. That one right there. How many of you have been on something like that? Uh, that wasn't bought at all. Uh, but that is something that the little kids really enjoy. They appreciate it. Nothing like having a swing outside uh, hung on to a tree. I remember growing up, my daddy would uh, we'd go out to see my grandmother, and uh, he would say, look at that tree right there. That's a hanging tree. Sometimes trees were used uh, for that purpose as well. So all, all sorts of trees in all different kinds of situations. Uh, if you want to take a picture of your grandkids, just find a tree somewhere. That makes a good background. It's a good way to take a look at them. And there is Tar there's Tarsus Jane at Sweden. That's Miss Carol back in the days. Uh, how many of you have swung on the grapevine? Ah, oh, look at that. Oh, isn't that great? Don't you wish you could still do that? Uh, we are to find one. Well, you know, trees have been around. They have blessed us. But the point I'm making, you're sitting next to someone that can bless you as well. 
people around about you. You need to get to know them. You need to tell them you love them, you appreciate them. You need to learn as much as you can about them. You need to be there with them in their good times. You need to learn, learn the names of their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. You need to know as much as you can about them. You need to be there for one another because we are designed to be a blessing to one another. That's what the church is about. That, that's what God wants us to do. That's what he wants us to accomplish in this life. And of course, I talked this morning about all the trees that I've set out. Started out at uh, West Branch. Uh, the backyard, they had dogs, the uh, horses. Or, what was his last name? It wasn't Hoss, was it? Uh, Hoss. Hoss, yeah, brother. Uh, he, uh, he had dogs, and they just chewed up the trees. And we got there, and we baited those trees, and they started just growing. And, and the grass was green, and even though it was the preacher's house, we took a very good care of it. So it's it's a beautiful place to live. And so we took care of it. We planted trees there. We treated it like it was our home. And when we left, of course, you leave your trees behind, don't you? You can't you can't take them with you. So that's the things that we did. And every place that we've gone, this is our our house in uh, Henderson. Trees everywhere, all around us. Behind us is nothing but trees and a lake. So I'm, I'm a person who appreciates God's creation, especially the trees. They, they are just wonderful. And the lesson we learn, this is God's creation, but the greatest creation is the church. We ought to have a greater love and appreciation for one another. We ought to be able to overlook one another's mistakes and shortcomings. Other people may hurt our feelings, but guess what? Sometimes we hurt people. And just as we need forgiveness, we need to forgive other people as well. After all, we are a family. We are to be there and, and support and encourage one another. And I mentioned this morning about, uh, this is the front part of our house, and I mentioned this morning about my grandchildren trees, and they are, there are the uh, Leland Cypresses, there are six of them, and in the back, uh, we've got, also got some trees that we planted back there. And the one on the right over there that you can just barely see is a Bradford pear, and it's going to shade the back, and it's just growing like crazy. So they are a blessing to us. When I was picking cotton, I remember one of the greatest blessings I would have in August, other than the bologna sandwich and the water that uh, we brought with us for a meal. Remember, any of you have been out there in those cotton fields, and it's hot, and there's a cloud that comes over. And boy, you'd love to, you'd love to have be in the shade. Well, it's nothing like being in the shade of the tree on a hot day. Quite a blessing. I remember going uh, hunting one time, went dove hunting, always the first Saturday before Labor Day. And I learned mosquitoes like the shade. Because I stood over in the shade and they were eating me up. And I'd take two steps over out in the sun so shades are something that are a blessing. And they're there because of what they do for us and how they refresh us. Did you know that there were fake trees, though? Let me show you one. You know, Jesus talked about the fig tree that didn't bear fruit. Let me tell you about a fake tree. I know all of you have seen one of these. Yeah, you seen one of those? That belonged to Carol's um, mother. And we got that out two or three uh, 
Christmases ago, and we got all the grandchildren, all of her great-grandchildren. We put that together. And, of course, it's an antique now, but that tree doesn't grow. It's not going to reproduce. It's not going to do anything. Just like the tree that Jesus talked about. He said, be cursed forever. We're put here on this earth to work and to do something and to be a blessing. And we need to be reminded of that. And I think trees remind us of that as well. Well, just a few more things that I want to mention. You know, one of the things that trees almost always do is that they die. I don't know whether they're still there or not. If we have time, we may drive by West, uh, West Branch. But back behind the house, there was kind of a, a branch. Uh, there was a, I guess that's the reason it's called West Branch. There was a, a creek back behind the house. And there were two huge cedar trees there. And those things had to be 100 years old, really. And they were scarred. You could tell that they had wind damage. You know, if those trees could have talked, they could have really told some stories about what was going on. One of the things that I remember went on during that period of time, I planted the garden right back there in West Branch. And uh, it was a beautiful garden. And we went off for one week. We went to Sardis Lake Christian Camp. The average temperature, some of you remember this, the average temperature that week was 106 degrees in the daytime. And at night at, uh, at camp, the low for that night was 90 degrees. And we sat in the fan and we did a lot of swimming in the swimming pool. We had to change everything as far as we couldn't do the activities because it was so hot. And when I came back home that Saturday, my garden was gone. I mean, it was burned up. So that was another one of those experiences that we, we, we think about. But, but trees die. They, they weather storms, but almost always, they're never going to last forever. And that is a summary of mankind. That's, that's what we are about as well. This is an unusual tree that I've had in my backyard. I planted one uh, and one in Columbus, Georgia. I brought a uh, so I brought seed actually from Columbus, Georgia and planted it in Ripley. It's called a popcorn tree. It's actually some kind of a Japanese tree, but it's called a pop. It's, it's about like a persimmon tree. If you know what a persimmon tree looks like, it's, it's a little bit similar to that. It doesn't get a real big tree, but it's got little red berries on it. And about the time it gets cold enough to frost, those berries pop open. It looks like popcorn. But they don't like cold weather. They're made for areas that don't ever get out of the freezer. So what you have to do if you're going to grow one, you've got to plant it up next to the house. And this one right here is dead. It looks dead. It's not dead. You know, just because a tree looks dead doesn't mean it's dead. There's a tree in, uh, in the backyard that Carol hated because it had those leaves about that big around poplar tree. So I cut the thing down. But guess what? It's grown back up. Sprouts come back up. Another tree that I don't like very well is a sweet gum tree. I mean, you get a lot more out there, and it's like riding a machine gun. They're shooting those sweet gum balls. They don't mulch them. They just go everywhere. It just and it's hard to rake and all that. So, a sweet gum tree. I've got about 15 in my yard. And if you want any of them for wood or anything, you're welcome to them because I sure would like to of them and replace them with something else. But guess what this tree's going to do? It's, it's going 
it's going to reproduce. It's going to come back out. Trees are very dangerous. Here's one that fell, and if we had been about six minutes sooner going down the road, we might have been under that tree. You know, you drive down the highway, minding your own business, here's this huge tree that just falls across the highway. That's close to Chickasaw Park. So trees die. That's, that's the nature of things. But keep in mind that there's a remedy, and we've talked about that. We've talked about the tree of life. And there is a remedy to that because the most important tree in all the world. I haven't heard very much about this lately, but when I was growing up, one of the first trees that would really come to blossom, and they're about ready right now, is what kind of tree? Dogwood tree. And I was told that if you look at the leaves, there are four of them, the petals, and in each one, there looks like blood on each one. I'm told the tradition is, I don't think there's much to that, but I'm told that the cross that Jesus died on was a dogwood tree. And it was one of the biggest and most powerful of all trees because it was a cross, it was a tree on which Jesus died. It was cursed. And that was the side that was left of it. And now most of those, the best place for a dogwood tree is under the shade of another tree, a larger tree. But whatever tree Jesus died on, whatever it might be, that is the most important tree in all the world. And it's important not just because Jesus died for our sins, but it's important because Jesus died and he rose again, never to die again. When Lazarus died and he was raised from the dead, he died again. Every person who has ever lived and died and brought back from the dead has always died, except one person. That person has conquered death forever and ever and ever and ever. He has demonstrated, and our eating the Lord's Supper is a demonstration every first day of the week that we believe what the Bible says, that Jesus died. He arose according to the Scriptures. He arose from the dead to be victorious over the dead, over death, and death cannot even touch him anymore. But the greatest of the promises is that we shall be like him. Even though, like a tree, we will die. But we're not really dead. We may look dead, but we're not really dead. The part that looks dead is our body. There's the promise that when Jesus comes, that there will be the resurrection. And we will be raised in this body, but it will be a different body. It will be a new body. It will be a body not subject to suffering, to pain, to death. We shall see him, and we shall be like him. And we have just a little bit of that promise in the Old Testament. Notice as we close this statement in the Old Testament. For there is hope for a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, that it has shoots which will not cease. This is just a hint in the Old Testament of the fact.
fact that there is hope beyond the grave. If we just stop with the book of Job, we wouldn't have any real evidence other than just that statement. But whenever you read the New Testament, and you see the evidence that Jesus died, you see the eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts of that, even though we were not there, we believe it with all of our hearts. And we believe that he's coming again. And he's coming again for all of those who love him. He's coming for his church and for the Old Testament saints, for the redeemed of the ages. And that's the promise that we have. And that's the hope that we have. And that's the thing that will allow us to pull our heads at night. Not worrying about what this world is going to come to. Not worrying what's going to happen to us. We believe with all of our hearts that God will take care of us. He will be with us in the good times. And he'll be with us there when we die. And just as the angels bore away Abraham's spirit. Or Lazarus' spirit in Abraham's bosom. <clears throat> Just as Jesus prayed on the cross, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit. We believe with all of our hearts that God will take care of us. And we believe that better days are coming. You ever notice how a tree that's cut off and it comes back out? It comes out with more vigor than ever. And when he comes back out, if it's a fruit tree, the fruit on it is sweeter than ever. That's the promise that we have. Even though death cuts us even to the ground, even though our bodies return back to the dust of the earth, there's coming a day. And just as we talk about it, what a glorious day that will be. It'll be a wonderful day. And we long for that day. With this world and its sin and all the heartache and the pain and trouble, we're glad that the Lord has promised better days for us. And that's offered to those who are Christians. And you can become a Christian by faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. If you've wandered away from home, we want you to come back home where there is that security, that promise that the Lord will be with you and bless you need the prayers of the church. Whatever your need is, please come right now while together we stand and sing this song.